speak about issues like fear and anxiety and hope and joy. And so over the next 10 weeks, we're going to run the gamut of human emotions and how do we take these emotions and speak to God about them and what does God have to say about them. So next week, we're going to be doing a song of fear. And we're going to be dealing with the issue of what happens when there's fear in my life. Today, we're going to be doing what I call a song of decision. This is Psalm 1. This is the first song that really launches all the songs. So hear the word of the Lord. It's in your bulletin, Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Chance, 
but on choice. Not based on randomness, but on purpose. See, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that save for him, all of us would be moving on the path to wickedness. But Christ, for those who have believed in him, has moved us onto the path of righteousness. And since Christ has freed us from the path of wickedness, we must diligently pursue the path of righteousness. That's what this psalm is all about. This is the path to walk in. And so if we want to walk in this path that God has given us, we need to do three things. Number one, we need to examine our feet. Where are we walking? Let's look down at the path and see, examining our feet and their footsteps. Number two, we need to examine our fruit. All lives bear something. What is our life bearing? What's coming out of our life? Examine your feet, examine your fruit, and then examine your fate. Where am I going to end up at the end of this journey? Where are my feet going to take me? Because since Christ has freed us from the path of wickedness, we must diligently pursue the path of righteousness. Well, let's take time to examine our feet. In this passage, first, song, first verse, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Interesting that the Psalms start out with this word, blessed. The word blessed in the English comes from the Latin, beatus, which means beautiful. We also get the word bliss from it. In other words, beautiful is the person. Blessed is the person. Blissful is the person. We hear all these beautiful words. Blessed is this person. Now, the word blessing in Jewish culture was a very, very important one. Because it was very important that a son or a daughter was blessed by the father. We see this throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. That the, the child would live in the father's home. And throughout his life, the father would bless them. But there was a very important stage at the end when the father was going to die. When he would take his child and he would put his hands on them and he would bless them. In essence, imparting to him, here is the vision. Here's what I believe in you. I believe you are beautiful. Walk in the path because you are my son. And we see in different stories in the Bible when a blessing was given. And there was no blessing for someone else. How hurtful it was. You know, no one blesses themselves, do they? The blessing is always bestowed, right? When I sneeze, do I say, oh, bless me? <laughs> no, I hold my breath and I'm hoping someone's going to say, bless you. See, a blessing is bestowed. I really think the problem with the America is simply this. There's no blessing. People are being born into a fatherless culture. See, mom's always for you. Yeah, I don't care if you're on death row, mom's finished. Okay, but there's something about the father blessing. And in this fatherless generation, men don't have the blessing. Children, and so they walk through life as a curse. But we see here in this passage, blessed is the man. This is a pronouncement. Not by man, but rather by God. Blessed is the man. And it's interesting, the passage goes into negatives. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers. The psalmist is making a clear distinction between what you do and what you don't. And these folks who are not blessed, walk not, they walk in the counsel of the wicked. 
Okay, where are they getting their advice? Where are they getting their information? Where are they going for answers? They're going to the counsel of the wicked. The counsel, the information that they're getting is coming from criminals, coming from those who are opposed to God. That's where they're getting their marching orders, if you will, about how they are to live. But these not only walk in the counsel of the wicked, they stand in the way of sinners. That they, they not only identify with the teaching of the wicked, they identify with the wicked themselves. They're standing in the way of sinners. You look at them, you look at them, they're the exact same thing. I always tell my kids, you know, look at the crowd that you're hanging out with and look at where they're going and you're, that's where you're going to end up. Because our crowd influences how we live. And so this person who is not blessed is standing in the way of sinners. He's identified with them. And he sits, or she sits, in the seat of scoffers. What is this word? Scoffer. You kind of get it, you know, when you scoff at someone, and they tell you something and you scoff at it. Scoffering is the name, according to Proverbs, of an arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Proverbs 9, 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. See, this is someone that has all the answers. They don't need any assistance from anybody because they've got this thing all figured out. They don't sit under judgment, they sit in judgment of everybody else. That is not a blessed person, but rather, blessed is the person, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I love that it doesn't say his duty is in the law of the Lord. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord. I was talking to Tammy, or, or I can't remember who it was, about the great thing about Christmas. You know, the older you get, it's less and less about the things you get, but it's more and more about the joy of watching your children get things, you know? Children don't, there's no filter. It's just delight, you know, and they wanted this, and they hope they get it, and they get it, and this beautiful delight. See, the psalmist is saying it's not about duty, it's about delight. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. The law referring to God's word. God's word which tells us who God is. All about the beauty of God. Tells us how we are to live. Tells us who we are to be. This person delights in the law of the Lord contained in his Bible that teaches him all about life. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He delights and he meditates day and night. The word meditate is very interesting in Hebrew. It means to moan or to mutter. This marketers understand this, don't they? Okay, they're trying to get some sort of song in your head so you keep singing it, right? I mean, I've got songs in my head from 30 years ago that'll come out every now and then. A jingle and just kind of, you know, runs in our background. We start muttering it because it's in our head and we can't get rid of it. See, that's what we're saying, what's going on here. But this is, to this person, someone who doesn't want to get rid of it, but rather is meditating, muttering, thinking throughout life as he goes about his business on the law of the Lord. Psalm 112 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Blessed are 
See, for this person, it's not only delighting in it and meditate on it, in it but doing so so they can actually live in it. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, for this person who delights and mutters and moans, it's like God's Word has become an obsession to them. I recently got to see a great movie. Who here has gone to see The Hobbit? Unbelievable movie. Uh, matinee starts in about two hours. Everybody else, go to The Hobbit after this. It really is a powerful movie. Well, all of us have seen, you know, something of these movies, and, and they all center around the ring, right? A ring. And in this picture here, we see uh, how the ring comes to be, that, uh, you know, that it's forged in the fires of evil, and it comes to this creature, this person called Sneagle, this little person, and he, he gets the ring, and there's something about the ring that's so fascinating to him that it consumes him. It changes him. He stares at it in rapt fascination, and years go by, and Sneagle is slowly transformed into Gollum. He only has eyes for the ring. It dominates him. The problem with the ring that he has is it's evil. That it's not flourishing him, it's killing him. And so as he obsesses and meditates and mutters, it leads toward death, not toward life. See, truth of matters, we all obsess on something, don't we? We're all muttering something under our breath. We're all looking for the blessed life, but there are two paths. One which leads to life and one which led, that leads to death. So what path are you on? What's your obsession? What is it that you wonder and think about? You know, one of the most dangerous things out there right now is pornography. For many folks, pastors included, it's an obsession grows, it dominates our life and our hearts. So there's not room for anything else. It slowly kills us. Maybe it's not anything that evil, maybe it's something innocuous. That guy or that girl, that car, that watch, whatever it is that begins to take a grip and hold of our mind until it's all that we can think about. See, we have a duty, my friends, and it's a dangerous duty. It's a dangerous duty of delighting in God's Word. But in order to do it, we have to let go. We can't hold on to two obsessions. We must let go of one to take the other. Does that mean I throw, you throw everything out in your life? No, but there are some things I may have to go. I can only hold on to something in an obsessive way with both of my hands. And so we must examine our feet. Where are we walking? Because Christ has freed us from the path of wickedness, we must diligently pursue the path of righteousness. Well, we've examined our feet. Let's go ahead and examine our fruit. See, there is a result of obsession, isn't there? There's fruit that comes out of it. Verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Why does this tree prosper? Well, because it's planted by streams of water. It has everything it needs. It's dug down its roots into the soil, and it has the sustenance that it needs in all different conditions 
The result is its leaves do not wither. Whether it's winter or spring or summer, it's not that the conditions don't change. It's rather that the tree has the ability to withstand and flourish even in the most difficult of circumstances. It's very interesting that this language leaf, not withering, is also used when describing heaven. Here's Ezekiel 47.12, which is an image of the heaven that is to come. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every morning they will bear, every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. A picture of a person, it's like heaven has already come down and is moving in their life. The result is their leaf does not wither, but also it yields its fruit in season. It bears fruit. There's a fruitfulness to it. Now, I don't know if you know, know the purpose of fruit. Do a little study on this. The purpose of fruit, why a tree bears fruit, is to give itself away. See, within the fruit, there's a seed. And it's surrounded with this covering that nourishes the seed, but also beguiles animals to come and eat it. And so when they ingest the seed, then they go somewhere else. And they do something with the seed that's important for distributing the seeds. The point is, the point of fruit is to give itself away. And so the result of these people who are planted by streams of water is they're bearing fruits that is affecting other people's lives. What is this fruit? Well, we have a great description. Okay, Galatians 5.22. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The beautiful picture of fruit that spreads and spreads and spreads. You know, we often struggle with these issues, these things that we want, and we wonder, why don't we have it? Why can't I be more patient with my kids? Why can't I be more patient with myself? Why can't I have more self-control in what I eat? or in how I respond with my tongue. But the truth of the matter is, the fruit is the result of a life that's founded on the stream of water. See, we want to manufacture the fruit, but the fruit is an end result. You have a step that you have to take first before the fruit bears by itself. Not just simple as, wake up, come on, self-control. No, it's something that bears, that bears on the person. It bears and it brings prosperity. In all that he does, he prospers. If you look at the Hebrew here, the tense of it, you could just as easily render it as, in all that he does, he brings prosperity. Now we have a very skewed version of this in America, don't we? What is prosperity? Well, it's wealth. It's comfort and it's ease. To show prospering is to live in the right neighborhood and to have the right car and the right bank account. But we all know when we look into that that it's ridiculous, isn't it? I know a lot of very rich people who are very miserable. And I know a lot of poor people who are very miserable. I know a lot of rich people who really bring life to people around them. And I know a lot of rich people that bring a lot of pain to people around them. <laughs> and likewise with poor people. In fact, I would say that it's harder often with rich folks than with poor folks. No, to bring 
than to make a lot of money. It's to bring life into your life and into the people around you, even in the midst of failure. See, we think if you're prosperous, you won't have any problems. Well, that's ridiculous. Failure is sometimes given to us from God as a way of strengthening us. But can we have prosperity in the face of failure? Absolutely. Can we have prosperity in the face of bankruptcy? Yes. Because it's not about what we get, have, it's about what we bring. And to bring prosperity is what it means to be blessed. But not so the wicked. They are like chaff which are thrown up and the wind drives it away. There's no substance in chaff. If when a, a person was threshing their wheat and they throw up the wheat and they throw up all the other stuff and the wheat was heavier so it would settle and the chaff would blow away. See, what he's talking about is a prosperous life. Jesus Christ never promised that he'd bless your lifestyle. But he promised that he would bless your life if you founded your life on him. This is a great story. An American businessman was standing at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. Inside the small boat were several large yellowfin tuna. The American count complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish. How long did it take you to catch them, the American asked. Only a little while, the Mexican replied. But why don't you stay out longer and catch more fish, the American then asked. I have enough opportunity to support my family's immediate needs, the Mexican said. But the American said, well, what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, Maria, stroll into the village each evening where I sit fine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life syndrome. The American scoffed. I'm a Harvard MBA and could help you. You should spend more time fishing, and with the proceeds, you buy a bigger boat, and with the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats. Eventually, you would have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell directly to the consumers, eventually opening your own can factory. You would control the product, processing, and distribution. You would need to leave this small coastal village and move to Mexico City, then LA, and then eventually New York, where you would run your expanding enterprise. The Mexican fisherman asked, but senor, how long will this all take? To which the American replied, 15 to 20 years. But what then, senor? The American laughed and said, this is the best part. When the time is right, you should announce an IPO, initial public offering, and sell your company stock to the public and become millionaire, millions and millions. Millions, senor, then what? The American said slowly, then you would retire, move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, and stroll to the village in the evening where you could sip wine and play your guitar with your amigos. See, we're all searching for something, isn't it? But for most of us, we don't know what it is. What we're searching for is the blessing of God and the opportunity to bring prosperity into our life, regardless of the situation. So if you want to know what's going on in your life, examine your fruit. Don't examine your conditions. They go up and down. You know, if it's summer for you right now, cheer up. It's going to be winter soon. And if it's winter for you right now, cheer up. It's going to be summer. 
But the question is, what are you producing? What are you producing? Is it love? Is it love? Is it goodness? Is it faithfulness? In your family, what is it that you are bringing? Is it kindness and is it community? What about with your co-workers at your office? What about in your church? See, all the things that come out start within. Jesus said on the last day of the feast, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. <coughs> there are different seasons. And we yield fruit in different seasons. But ultimately, the gift of a prosperous life founded on Christ is a blessing, fruit to ourselves and others. This brings me to my final point. We've examined our path. We've examined our fruit. We must then finally examine our fate. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See, there's a judgment at the end. Life does not go around and around and around. The circle of life does not exist. But we see that the wicked will not stand. When judgment comes, they will bow their heads in shame. They will have no reason to stand before God because they have nothing to bring. Sinners will not be included in the congregation of the righteous as the righteous people are brought together. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will die. When I hear that passage and I come to the end of thinking about my life, I wonder, what if I can't stand? You know, I look at my life and sometimes I see this in my life and sometimes I see that uglier side of me, the side that fails. And uh, I wonder, God, is there a place for me but the answer is, there is a reason we can stand. Because before we can bring life to others, God has planted His life in us. If you are a Christian, God has planted His life in us. The reason we bear fruit is because His, He bore fruit in us, and His fruit brings life. See, the truth of the matter is, before we became Christians, we were all dead. All on the path to wickedness. And yet God did something amazing. He packed all of himself into a seed. A little baby named Jesus Christ. Who came to bring life to the world. But before this seed could bear life, it had to be put in the ground. For three days. The one who had to die. So he could live. And through his resurrection... He comes and implants Himself in His people, those who believe in Him, to give them new life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The seed which was buried has come forth. And the seed which rests inside us brings us new life. Why will you stay on the path of righteousness? Because you are a new person. And the one who is within you is righteous. And so he will guide you on the path of righteousness. We will not fail. Why? Because he did not fail. And while I am still broken and messed up, and you are too, 
Slowly, our lives are being transformed as we grow ever more to resemble our Savior. Until at the very end, at the resurrection, when our bodies are resurrected, we will look like Him. Our confidence is not in ourselves, my friends. Our confidence is in the seed, Jesus, who is within us. He has freed us from the path of wickedness. And now we must honor Him and honor who we are in Him by diligently pursuing the path of righteousness. If you're not a Christian, the message I have for you is this. The seed of life is waiting for you. He has come forth from the grave and He says that He will give life to any who will eat of His flesh. Which means who will believe in Him and who will take Him in by faith. <laughs> if you are a Christian, Maybe there's not a lot of fruit and life in your life. See, Jesus has given us the Word of God precisely that it might fertilize the seed, nourish it, and grow it up inside of us. And so we must cultivate an inner life. Examine your own life. Where is God's Word in it? Where is God's thoughts in it? Is it lip service, or is it the thing that drives you? Show me a flourishing Christian and I will show you one who mutters God's word. <laughs> Some of you are saying, I don't know how to do that. I know exactly who you can call. 761-4024. I'm on standby. This church is designed to do this very thing. To help grow you up. We have resources all around. There are Christian bookstores that Russians would kill to go see. The opportunity is there. We must take a step. Because Christ has freed us from the path of wickedness, we must diligently pursue the path of righteousness. For when you do, you will discover your feet moving in the right direction, fruit that flourishes in your life and around you regardless of the circumstances, and a fate of heaven that draws closer and closer each day. By God's grace, let it be so for you, and let it be so for me. Let us pray. Jesus, you are the seed, all of God packed into a little baby. You came, Lord, to a dead planet, and you lived the perfect life, and you brought life in your death, Lord, being planted in a hole in the ground for three days. You rose up, a beautiful risen Savior, one who brings life to the world, to all who believe in you. Lord, I pray for those in the congregation right now who may not know you, but desire you, that want that life, that want you and your blessing, that they would accept you and kneel to you by faith. And I pray for my other brothers and sisters in this congregation who are Christians, but they look at their life and it's barren. Lord, help them not to look at their conditions, which are so uncertain, some of them given by you. All of them you're in control of, but rather to look in our hearts, that we might flourish amidst the most difficult circumstances and bring life to the world as you bring life to us. All of this we pray in Christ's name.